Hello and welcome to My Chaotic Mind, the podcast dealing with the everyday difficulties of balancing adult life and eating disorder recovery. My name is Kaz and I shall be your host in this little corner of the podcasting world. It's important to mention I have no background or training in medicine, nutrition or psychology. I simply have my own very many years of lived experience. That said, if you're sitting comfortably, it's time to come with me through the looking glass. Welcome to episode three. Halfway through the series already. If there are any topics in particular that you would like me to cover, you can drop me an email or send me a DM on Instagram. The details for both will be at the end of this episode and they are the best way to get hold of me. I want this podcast to be both interesting and helpful for you, the listeners. So if there is anything in particular that you would like me to talk about, I'm more than happy for you to give me suggestions. In the last episode, I talked a lot about relationships in the wider sense. However, today I'm going to talk about relationships once again, but this time I'm going to narrow the focus down and talk specifically about romantic relationships when you have an eating disorder. Now, I am by no means a relationship expert. I am 41 years old and in my entire life I have had a grand total of two relationships. One of them was an off-again, on-again relationship that just lasted a few months. The other one lasted for a year. Incidentally, both of these happened during my four years of full recovery. That's not a coincidence. My perspective on this topic comes from a very specific place. I don't have any other mental disorders. I only have anorexia. If you have other conditions, maybe something like PTSD or EUPD and any of the others that are out there, then what I'm going to say just may not be applicable to you. Even if you have anorexia, you may not be able to relate to much, if any, of what I'm going to say. I also know that different eating disorders can impact relationships in different ways. And so I think it's important to mention that because how it is for somebody with anorexia may not, for example, be the same experience that somebody with binge eating disorder or bulimia might have. It's quite possible that if you have anorexia and you have had it for the majority of your life and it's something which developed in your early teenage years, you could be in your 30s, 40s, perhaps older and never have experienced a romantic relationship. This could make the entire prospect extremely daunting and potentially very scary. 
it's entirely possible that you may not even really know what your sexual orientation is. Anorexia in particular can cause a state of asexuality. This was certainly my experience and it was something I actually saw as a benefit to my illness because in my experience having feelings for a guy results in rejection and that hurts and it knocks my self-esteem even further down. So to be in a state where I'm just not interested in any kind of romantic relationship is actually quite nice. Although I'm now in a stage of my recovery where this is no longer the case for me, I'm still not putting myself out there dating. I have been single for 10 years. I don't want to be single. I want to have a husband. I would love to have children. And I'm not going to go into the reasons why I don't think this could happen because I've covered it before and I don't want to start to sound like a broken record. Even though I've had a couple of very short relationships in my past, I'm still fearful of putting myself out there in the dating world. I'm scared of being rejected and I'm also scared of being judged. And I think this is something a lot of you who have anorexia will be able to relate to. My fear is that if I tell a guy I'm interested in that I have been single for 10 years, of course he's going to want to know why. Society does negatively judge people of around my age and older who have been single for a long time or possibly haven't ever had a relationship. There's an idea that there must be something wrong with you and you only have to watch any of the myriad of dating programmes available to hear that view expressed. Now, obviously, not everyone is going to be so judgmental or jump straight away to negative conclusions. But when you're dating somebody, you want to make the best impression you can on them. And to reveal that you have a long history of severe mental illness is quite a lot to land on somebody on a first date, especially if it's somebody you don't know that well. And of course, it's easy to say, well, if they react badly to you telling them that, then they're obviously not the right person for you. And frankly, you can do a lot better. But logic and emotions do not always agree. And it can still really hurt because it's still a form of rejection. Perhaps you're somebody who has anorexia but is also in a relationship and I hope that if you are, you've got one of the good ones, somebody who is understanding and supportive and caring and treats you well. The thing about anorexia is it erodes your self-confidence, your self-esteem, your self-worth. And it can make you vulnerable to people who aren't going to treat you well. And you may put up with this because 
you feel it's what you deserve or you can't do any better. If you have strong tendencies towards people-pleasing, the relationship can become a very unbalanced one and an unbalanced relationship is usually not a good one. The next part of what I'm going to say isn't easy for me because I am quite a private person when it comes to boyfriends, things like that. However, I feel it's important to share with you some of what I have been through because I have learned an awful lot from it. The first relationship I mentioned back at the start of this episode was the off-again, on-again one and I was about 27 when this relationship started. It only lasted for a few months and I think I took him back three times before I finally said no enough is enough you're not coming back this time now I'm not trying to put him down I have no feelings of malice or ill will towards him in fact after we had broken up quite a long time after He got in touch with me to apologise for the way he had behaved and the way he had treated me and he explained why he had done this and I choose to believe that he was being genuine when he said these things to me. He was able to play on my insecurities because even though I was recovered, this was my first real relationship and my first adult relationship Before he started seeing me, he had actually been engaged but had been unhappy in that relationship for quite some time. The point is that I was going through experiences and feelings that most people go through in their teenage years. It was a very imbalanced relationship because I gave him all the power I was so insecure and had experienced so much rejection that the first guy that showed an interest in me, I kind of clung on to. And so I put up with a lot of things that now there's no way I would stand for. And it's not that he was controlling, he wasn't abusive or anything like that. I think he probably wouldn't have treated me the way that he did had I not allowed him to do it in the first place. Throughout senior school, or high school as you may know it, I just assumed that by the time I got to year nine, which is about 14 to 15 years of age, I would just get a boyfriend somehow because all the girls did. That is not what happened. I got to the age of 18 without having a single boyfriend. But what I did have was a big stack of rejections. This meant that when I found somebody who didn't reject me, I allowed him to get away with an awful lot because I was scared of further rejection And even though he did reject me four times, three of those times 
when he'd broken up with me, I took him back. And that was a result of years and years of undermining of my confidence and sense of worth. If you are in that kind of situation, you don't have to be. Because no matter what the eating disorder says to you, you deserve to be treated well. You deserve to be in a relationship which is equal. Having my heart stamped on so many times made me feel like there must be something wrong with me. I must be the problem because otherwise, why would so many guys not want to be with me? I felt I was too ugly, too fat. My personality was just horrible. I internalised all that rejection and allowed the eating disorder to turn it into ammunition to keep me in its grip. If you are experiencing or have experienced something similar to that, then it's important to remember that being rejected by somebody doesn't mean there is anything wrong with you. It just means that for whatever reason, that person just doesn't fancy you. It doesn't mean nobody ever will. And it certainly doesn't mean you need to change. The person worth having will want you just as you are. Maybe think back to a time in your own life when you really fancied someone like crazy, but you just didn't have the courage to tell them. And so you never did. You just kept it to yourself. You could be the person somebody felt that way about, but they just never told you. Anyway, back to my first disastrous relationship. I think deep down, I always knew we weren't the right fit for one another. Even though he told me he loved me and I told him I loved him back because that's what I knew he wanted to hear and I wanted to keep him happy. I think that really we both knew neither of us meant it. Despite this, each time we broke up, I wallowed, I cried, but each time I just got a little more exhausted with being stuck on this merry-go-round. And by the time the fourth breakup happened, the one where I decided I had had enough, I didn't feel as hurt or rejected. It didn't sting as much. And I think that a lot of that is because the feelings that we had for each other, they weren't real. If somebody truly loves you, they don't treat you badly. If you truly love someone, you can see a place for them in your future. My second relationship was so much better and that's why it lasted so much longer. It did end for several different reasons and I do believe that the PMDD, 
that I did not know I had played quite a big part in this. When this relationship ended, my heart was well and truly broken. And this breakup played a significant part in my eventual relapse into anorexia. But that's not his fault. This was a mutual breakup, but that doesn't mean it still wasn't excruciatingly painful. After this, I did dip my toe into the world of online dating where, much as before, I was met with rejection after rejection. Once anorexia took away any desire to form any kind of connection with people... It was an immense relief. Anorexia is almost like a jealous lover. It wants you all to itself and will do its best to get between you and anyone else. As long as you have anorexia or any eating disorder, there are three entities in any relationship you have. I imagine how I feel now is... Pretty much how somebody who has been through a divorce or come out of a long-term relationship in their early to mid-40s feels. The prospect of dating again, I just, it's, it's so overwhelming. I don't think I would even know where to begin. Now, I'm certainly not telling you that if you have an eating disorder, I don't believe you should be dating. If you want to date, then you go for it. I just think it's important to be aware of how your eating disorder may be affecting you when it does come to things like your self-esteem. And certainly anorexia can suppress a lot of your personality and the real you. I've read stories where a couple have got together whilst one of them has an eating disorder that person has then been able to recover and ultimately the relationship has broken down. This isn't anybody's fault. It's just that the person who had the eating disorder now has different interests and they may be very different in terms of personality. I've said before that without anorexia, I am quite a confident and outgoing person. Somebody who were to fall in love with the person I was at my most unwell, might not necessarily be quite so enamoured with the recovered version of me. Equally, your priorities in life can shift quite dramatically if suddenly you have overcome this thing which has been dominating your life for so long suddenly a whole new world. And don't worry, I'm not going to sing. I wouldn't be able to afford to pay Disney the performance fees. But a whole new world will open up to you. You may find that when you don't have an eating disorder holding you back, there's a lot of things you really want to do that perhaps for you were not a priority before. You may even want to take your life in a completely different direction. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. 
I would say it's really important to recognise that you and your needs matter. You are important. For the majority of my life, this is something I haven't believed. And even now, I'm not sure I fully believe it. Not yet. But I'm somebody who has always been okay with being on my own. I've had friends who go from relationship to relationship and they never really have any space between them. They don't like to leave one relationship until they've got the next one lined up and it's because they're scared of being alone. But I think it's important to have some time by yourself, especially if you have had a huge change in your life and make no mistake, recovering from an eating disorder is a pretty seismic shift when it comes to life events. You need to get to know yourself and what it is that you want and you need. And that way you've got less chance of ending up with an asshole. If you are round about my age, and like me, you would absolutely love to have your own family, then logging on to Facebook is probably an experience that gives you mixed feelings because there is a high chance that your newsfeed will be peppered with people the same age as you and possibly people even younger than you. Breaking the news of engagements, marriages, pregnancies... And it can be so bitter sweet. It's perfectly okay to feel happy for these people, but to feel desperately sad for yourself. And this is something I know a lot of people, male and female, can experience, particularly when it comes to things like pregnancy announcements. And this is regardless of whether or not they have an eating disorder or any mental illness whatsoever. There can be that pang of longing and that deep, deep sadness, like a punch to the gut, because that's something you want so much and for whatever reason it hasn't happened and or you don't believe it ever will happen. And I think a lot of people are afraid to express this sadness because they feel somehow it's wrong and they shouldn't feel that way. But why shouldn't you feel that way? If it's how you feel, it's how you feel. You can't control that. And suppressing it definitely isn't going to help. If you don't have a friend who is in a similar situation that you can talk to about it, send me a message. I'm not going to judge you for it. And I'm certainly not going to try and be your therapist. But if just knowing 
I've read it and I understand is going to help you, then by all means, my inbox is always open. Whilst I'm undoubtedly in a better place physically than I was, mentally I still have a lot of struggles. It's so easy for me to believe it when the eating disorder tells me the future I want is never going to happen. It's just not possible for me. So why should I even try? And of course, it's going to feed me those lies because it wants to keep a hold on me. I try to tell myself it's lying and it's not true. I try to think about the last three years and the curveballs that have been thrown on a global scale. I think, in general, British people certainly are discouraged from displaying negative emotions. So it can feel wrong if you want to cry when somebody delivers some news which is very, very good, but at the same time, a devastatingly triggering blow for you. Now, I'm not saying that if a close friend breaks some momentous good news to you, you should just burst into floods of tears. But you do need to give yourself time to feel those emotions, maybe in private or with somebody who understands, because trying to bottle them up won't help you. It's so easy to feel as if life is moving forward for everyone else and you're just standing still. Everyone else is getting on with achieving their dreams, whether that be career goals, holidays, family things. And you're just here with your eating disorder going nowhere, just standing still. It's not that there's anything wrong with you as a person. It's the eating disorder that is stopping you from having at least some of these things because it will hold you back. It will hold you back physically. It will hold you back emotionally. It will hold you back socially. And... The only way that you can recover is to step outside your comfort zone and try things that make you feel afraid. Now, I'm not saying once this episode is over, you should get yourself signed up to Match.com or whatever the latest online dating website is. I'm such a dinosaur. Look at me talking about Match.com. It's all Tinder these days and Grindr, isn't it? Well, I'm certainly not going to be signing up for an account with any sort of dating app. I have nothing against any of these apps or websites. It's just not a step I'm ready to take yet. But in recovery, as in life, we need to take risks Sometimes those risks will pay off and sometimes they won't. But if we just sit in the same safe space, 
we're never going to get anywhere. And I think I have probably bent your ears for quite long enough with this episode. I'm going to hand over once again to a message from a listener to close us out. The podcast has definitely made me feel less alone as an older person living on her own with no input from services, etc. It's helped me feel less guilty about eating on my own, being accountable to myself and making decisions on my own to try and change things. As well as that, it has provided that voice of reason that things I may know deep down are the right thing to do are just that and are worth challenging over and over, even if I feel I've already tried and failed multiple times. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Chaotic Mind. If you have enjoyed it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a moment to rate, review and share it with your friends. It's the only way to let the world know this podcast exists. If you want to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at edpodcast or you can send an email to edpodcast at gmail.com. I do hope that you will join me for the next episode, but until then, take care. Bye.